Hello, and welcome to Cauldron Cakes and Wine, a nerdy book club podcast. My name is Polly. This week, we are going to be talking about Return to Hogwarts. Just a warning, this podcast is marked explicit, meaning we sometimes swear and talk about sensitive subjects. Be sure to check the show description for any content warnings. You can check us out on social media by going to our website, cauldroncakesandwine.com. We have all of them linked there. That's the easiest way to find them all. And just a warning, there are spoilers ahead. I will be talking about Return to Hogwarts, but I could talk about all seven Harry Potter books and or extended universe things. So just so you know, if you have not read all of the books, there could be some spoilers ahead for you. I hope everyone had an amazing New Year's and hopefully 2022 will be a much better year than the past two. But... 2022 is already off to a great start because we get to talk about Return to Hogwarts. I will also say that you guys are about to get a bunch of Harry Potter content because this week I'm talking about Return to Hogwarts. Next week will be the Goblet of Fire book and then the week after that will be the Goblet of Fire movie. So buckle up because we truly are returning to Hogwarts. I am so, so excited to be here and talk about this Harry Potter 20th anniversary special, Return to Hogwarts. I didn't have really high expectations for this. Typically, I think that like specials and getting back together isn't always, um, it's, it can sometimes be really disappointing. So I went into it having very low expectations and I will say that I really, really did enjoy this. The only thing I am a little bit disappointed about is that I am not in a blanket burrito. I actually have to record sitting upright this week. I'm at my parents' house, so I am not cozy like I normally am. (laughs) Anyways, I am so excited to talk about this, and I know I've already said that, but we are going to jump right into it. I will say that I watched it twice. The first time I watched it, I wanted to just watch it and enjoy watching it for what it was and not have to take notes. I wanted to be able to take it all in and just actually experience it because the act of like watching a movie to take notes on it is it involves a lot of like pausing and stopping and starting and you don't really get to like feel all of the things in the same way that you do when you're really watching something when you're reading a book and taking notes on it and kind of like I guess the way that I do it is like I'm, I'm kind of annotating as I go along that's different because it's it's easier to pause a book and like you you are reading and you can kind of keep going ahead because it's just easier it's just a different process whereas when you're watching something it's just not the same um okay so the special starts off with the actors all around london and they're receiving their hogwarts letters they go to hogwarts on the hogwarts express and we see emma Watson walk into the great hall and there's a bunch of like magical things happening people are dancing she hugs tom felton which we know we know that shot is going to be used for years to come there are going to be fan edits there are going to be listen that is going to be used so many times i'm assuming that this was filmed um, at the warner brothers studios lots where you can kind of do the tours and stuff because we see parts of the set from 
that are a part of the, the tour. I mean, the Great Hall is a part of the tour. Um, also, we get Daniel Radcliffe walking in through, I think it's, uh, I think it's Diagon Alley that he was walking through, and that is a part of that tour. I actually went to that tour years ago now at this time when I went to London, and I would just love to go again one day because they've expanded it since I was there, and I would, I, just love film so it was so cool to get to see things that were like parts of sets and or like the model of Hogwarts that they filmed all of the like Hogwarts ground shots on getting to see that so cool I think that that was my favorite thing that I did when I went to London actually it was really incredible and like the first thing that you see in that tour is the Great Hall and it's so incredible because they used actual stone to build things, um, which they mentioned in this special, how they couldn't just put down something plastic because it was going to be used over and over and over again. So they had to build something that was going to be durable and that was going to last. So they built everything out of stone. It's really fucking cool. As I mentioned, I love film. So getting to go and see the set and the props was really cool. And that's kind of the other reason why I really liked this special because you got to see behind the scenes footage and hear them talk about making the film and the casting and everything. And that's something I'm really, really interested in. So I think for some people, maybe some of that stuff wasn't quite as interesting, but I really loved it. The way that they structured this special was they started off with talking about casting into the first movie and then it follows the movies throughout. So we're starting off obviously with Philosopher's Stone movie. Daniel Radcliffe meets with Chris Columbus, the director of that movie, in the set of Dumbledore's office, which is, you know, one of my favorite things I want to be able to go and like look around Dumbledore's office. Give me like an hour in there alone, please. <laughs> they show footage of the kids lining up to get books and they're like screaming and they're excited and they're holding their Harry Potter books. And honestly, it was just really emotional for me to watch this. Um, particularly the first time, the second time it wasn't quite as emotional. This part of the seeing the footage seeing the kids lining up and everything it it's just it's like I was one of those kids this is such a fundamental part of my childhood so it truly is a core memory and to get to like see footage of that and to see the actors and stuff talk about that time period it's so cool for me it's such a walk down memory lane in a way the actors talk about being kids and reading the books. Daniel Radcliffe has a really, really good quote where he says, I think it's really easy to forget that at the time people were talking about the death of reading, which is so true. I really forget about this sometimes. People were just like not reading books, especially young people. Books were not selling and particularly kids were not interested in them at all. And Harry Potter got... The entire generation of us to read like even if you weren't an avid reader you probably read Harry Potter or at least parts of it I can remember being at summer camp and the I think it would have been the Half-Blood Prince book came out and every single kid at camp I swear it was almost every single one of us was reading it every single rest hour I remember there being like pictures of us like all just sitting outside 
reading and like if someone was reading quicker than you and they were like oh my god oh my god or they started freaking out about something you'd be like don't tell me don't tell me don't tell me and then you would get to it and you'd be like oh we have to talk about it it was the the hype around it was just so high and it was such an exciting thing to get to live through it's also just incredible that it was a book series it it I don't know that anything has ever been quite as much a phenomenon in terms of the book world as this in like my lifetime at least Harry Potter didn't just contribute to you know people being into reading it was also really the birth of fandom and what that would look like going into the digital age I've talked about this before how Harry Potter coming out during the boom of early internet culture was so fundamental to the Harry Potter fandom but also to internet culture in itself and you can't really separate the two from each other because I think that Harry Potter is the blueprint for every fandom kind of going forward on the internet. Now, obviously, you know, there was Star Wars, there was Star Trek, there's a lot of other fandoms, there was Lord of the Rings, right? Like, I'm not pretending like Harry Potter is the first fandom to have ever existed. I'm just saying that the way that Harry Potter blew up and the way that people interacted with it having these like midnight book releases all of that it it was very specific to the internet age that it was coming out in and a lot of other fandoms before that were it's almost like pre-harry potter and after harry potter and i just think that harry potter created this blueprint for what was to come for internet culture and fandom They begin to talk about the casting process and looking for Harry. The actors talk about going to castings, which I think is really cool. Uh, They talked about how they saw Daniel Radcliffe in something else and decided that they wanted him, but his parents didn't want him to be involved in it at first because they were going to have to sign on for all seven movies and film in LA, which was going to be a big disruption to his life. But ultimately, they convinced his parents, so... Imagine if it wasn't Daniel Radcliffe. Oh my gosh. (laughs) They show the original screen test of the trio together, which was pretty incredible to watch for me. Like you can tell they did have like a chemistry. um, You can just tell right off the bat that they worked well together, which is obviously why they ended up picking them. Throughout the entire thing, there's these interviews with Emma Watson, Daniel Radcliffe, and Rupert Grint together, which is really cool to get to see them interact. Rupert Grint doesn't talk a whole bunch throughout it, but when he does, he is so, so funny. And I think that he also has really interesting things to say. So it's like he doesn't talk a a whole lot, but when he does, you really enjoy it. I think also you can tell like he, he was just kind of taking it all in. It wasn't necessarily that you know, I didn't get the vibe that he was like uncomfortable and that's why he wasn't talking. He kind of like always had like a smile or a laugh on his face. So yeah, Emma clearly carries a lot of the conversation between the three of them. And Daniel Radcliffe always has really incredible, insightful things to say. Throughout the special, the younger actors all talk a lot about how they were their characters essentially like they had a lot of similarities between their characters which I found really really interesting 
They show behind the scene footage of the kids playing around on set and it's really cute. Filming with that many kids must have been really, really hard at times, but it also looks like it would have been so much fun to be a kid on those sets. Can you imagine you just get to play in like Hogwarts, you know, and like run around with wands and shit. It'd be so much fun. They showed footage of them playing that game where you like slap each other's hands and (laughs) Emma and Dan and Rupert were like laughing about it saying how like they all ended up with like really red hands from playing that it's such a like kid thing to do just like slap each other (laughs) one of the big things that I've always talked about with these movies is how cool it was that they got such big name actors into these films so it was really cool to see the cast talk about being around those adult actors It's incredible how many of them at so many different instances talked about these adult actors and talked about how they treated them like they were adults and talked to them like they were adults and taught them things and how they had like paternal relationships with them. It's that's really cool for me because I've always kind of speculated about how the younger kids on the film set probably were learning from the older ones. So it's really cool to get to see that that was actually happening. Tom Felton had a great moment where he said that he had no clue who half of them were. It's pretty funny. (laughs) Something I found unexpected was how much the adults played with the kids and had fun with them. It's really cool to think of uh, these, you know, they kept referring to these actors as, you know, UK acting royalty, which is so true. And it's so cool to see footage of them getting down on their level and playing with them or to hear stories of them playing with them. So cool. I think it's probably really important when you're working with that many child actors to make sure that they are having fun and that there is like a lightness and a fun to what's happening on set. Otherwise, it's sort of miserable for them. I loved the movie Where the Wild Things Are, and I ended up reading a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff on that film, and because they had Max, the child actor, who is the main character of that entire series, like, he is the only actor on set or on screen for most of it. They talked about how they wanted it to be a really fun environment for him so that he wanted to come in and he wanted to work every day. So they would let the crew bring in their kids and, like, play with him. And there's, like behind-the-scenes footage of these kids getting to play make-believe on the sets and stuff. They let them, like, go in and just play and have fun. And that's so cool. That must have been... Can you imagine, like, you grow up and you've got this, like, pictures of you as a kid or videos of you as a kid playing on the set of Where the Wild Things Are? So incredibly cool. Emma Watson and Robbie Coltrane talk about how supportive and wonderful he was and was so cute. Emma talked about the scene after she's called a mudblood and how that was one of her like first big pieces of like actual acting where she had to act out some sort of like you know deeper more difficult emotions and how Robbie was so supportive of her and just helped her through that process in that scene and I just thought that was really incredible. I think that you hear a lot of horror stories about child acting and that's why when you're watching this and you're hearing how positive it was for them, that's really cool. I know that it wouldn't have been always this like ideal, perfect situation Um, and we're going to talk more about some of those difficulties because it does come up a bit later, but I think that it's really cool to see 
how much of a positive experience it was for them because that's not always a given. Okay, so something cool was that I always assumed that the candles in the Great Hall were like CGI'd or something, but apparently they weren't. They were like hung, and apparently one time the ropes that they were hung on were like being burnt and all of these candles were like falling. (laughs) Wild. Obviously, they do a section on Quidditch, of course. It's my least favorite thing, but I will say it was actually kind of cool to see concept drawings um, and behind-the-scene footage of how they actually film Quidditch. That was my only time that I've actually enjoyed anything to do with Quidditch, so there's that. Okay, so now we're moving into the Chamber of Secrets. They have them sit down in the dining room of the borough. Well, the people who are there, who are Weasleys, sit down, which is cool. They talk about getting to be a Weasley on set, and Connie Brighton, who played Ginny, is talking about how being a Weasley was the coolest part of filming for her because it felt like you got these like little extra family bits. <laughs> And she said that the, I, I, I don't know the actors' names who play the parents, but the Mr. and Mrs. Weasley, the actors who played them, apparently they kind of just stayed in role for a lot of the time that they were interacting with the kids and they felt very like parent-like to them. Next, we move into talking about the Malfoys. Jason Isaac says that he didn't want to play Lucius. He wanted to play Lockhart. Which I thought was pretty interesting because I literally can't imagine him being Lockhart. I can't imagine him in any other role than Lucius Malfoy. Tom Felton is hilarious in his interviews. The relationship between Tom and Jason seems pretty funny. I think it would be a little bit confusing as a kid to have this adult who, when you're filming, is horrible to you, right? Like, has to be because that's the role. But then, like, cut, and then they're so nice to you. Obviously, the horrible parts are acting, but you would find it confusing because you're a kid, so you don't really know how to navigate that sometimes. I've always said this about Dance Moms because like when that was on TV and it was really popular, a lot of people were like, well, it's fake. Abby isn't always that mean to the kids. It's for the cameras. And like, yeah, obviously she's playing it up for the cameras and they're filming, but a kid's brain or a kid's perspective on something is different than ours. And and that would be very confusing for them to be yelled at one second and then have someone be like really nice to them the next second obviously with dance moms it's a little bit more confusing because abby is herself she's not playing a character at least like when you're like little tom felton you can 100 be like okay like this is lucius and this is like jason but when the person is literally just your dance teacher in both instances like and you're just talking about something that's kind of close to your real life that's really fucking confusing really really confusing daniel radcliffe and gary oldman oh i'm obsessed gary oldman says that he felt very paternal towards dan sounds like dan and gary had an amazing relationship on set which makes me so happy they kind of talk about like their relationship kind of mirroring the relationship in the movies like Sirius and harry 
Dan talks about the things that Gary taught him and how cool it was to get to see these actors interact and have fun on set, but also to see them work. They talk about the scene in The Shrieking Shack where they find out that Sirius is not guilty. And that is a really, really great scene. There's some really good acting in that scene. There are just so many emotions that are coming to the surface. And I can imagine that for, you know, Rupert Grint, Daniel Radcliffe, and Emma Watson, it would have been so cool to get to see these really, really skilled actors all work together and then also to get to work with them and interact with them in such a high intensity scene. The two of them talk about Alan Rickman and how he knew what was going to happen in the books, even though everybody else didn't. Oh, Alan Rickman, what a guy. The director of Prisoner of Azkaban, um, Alfonso, I'm sorry, I don't know his last name and I didn't write it down, apparently gave the trio homework and they had to write an essay in character. Apparently, Emma Watson wrote a big, long essay, which I would give anything to read. Publish that. Right now, I will pay money for it. (laughs) Uh, Dan wrote a bit, and then Rupert Grint didn't do it at all because he said Ron probably wouldn't have done it, which I thought was really funny. So we're in Goblet of Fire now, and they talk a lot about how great that movie was, which, yeah, I mean, I guess that's what we're here for is to talk about how great the movie was but (laughs) surprise I didn't like that movie uh you're gonna find out more about that in like two weeks so sorry guys yikes it was hilarious to hear them talk about how there was like so many hormones flying around the set of that film so funny so funny how in this movie the actors kind of did go through a lot of the things that were like kind of happening in the movie the hormones of it all and then like having to learn to dance and the awkwardness and wearing these outfits and the awkwardness of being around each other wearing these outfits they were like living out kind of exactly what was going on in the film obviously they sit emma watson down and tom felton down and they talk about their friendship which is really really cute <laughs> It sounds like they had a really special relationship, and I know that people are constantly, constantly going to still think that it's romantic. I I do think it's kind of funny that they really felt the need to, like, reinforce that nothing romantic happened, but that they love each other. Like, people need to chill with shipping real people. It's really fucking weird. It's really weird. Just let, let Emma and Tom be friends, guys. It's okay. You know that that's not Hermione Granger and he's not Draco Malfoy, right? We know that, right? With Order of the Phoenix, that brings obviously a whole bunch of new actors because we got so many new characters in that book. So we've got Helen Bowman Carter and Daniel Radcliffe playing around with the goblins and Gringotts, which was honestly the cutest thing ever. They are so playful and having so much fun with each other. Online, people were saying that they had sexual tension guys that's unhinged and fucked up she worked with him when he was like a literal child he was a teen when they met that's that's what we call grooming (laughs) i didn't get that vibe at all not not for a second they did seem to have a lot of fun with each other and it was really cute to get to see them interact helen bowman carter brings the teeth 
that she had to wear when she played Bellatrix, was, which was a pretty funny moment. It seems like she really enjoyed playing that character, which I think comes across a lot in her performance of the character. They have her and Gary Oldman sit down together, which, oh my god. This special really did just serve over and over and over again. It's everything you want. Also, my dog is barking downstairs. I hope you can't hear that. If you can, I'm really sorry. (laughs) They talk about how Emma Watson wanted to leave the films at some point. Daniel Radcliffe and Rupert Grint talk about how they struggled a bit as well. And they talked about how it was really lonely at times. And I think that that makes sense. They were really young when they signed on and they wouldn't have any way of knowing what to expect being a part of this. Also, the things you're passionate about when you're a kid aren't always the same as the things you're passionate about when you're a teen and then also when you're a young adult. I think it's reasonable to think like, do I want to continue doing this thing? And I'm sure as fun as being on set was, it's not the same as getting to live a normal life with normal teenage things. You don't get to go to like parties. You don't get to hang out with your friends at the mall. I don't know. I don't know what they do in the UK. That's just what I did. I don't even know what teens do anymore. I don't think you go to the mall. But listen, at this time, that's what teens were doing in North America. So you wouldn't get to do any of it you know and there would be a point I think in your like young adolescence where you're like I gotta wake up at four in the morning to go film this scene and wave a wand around like it would be kind of lonely at a certain point I think it would be a really reasonable thing for someone to think do I want to continue this They didn't mention this in the special, but I know that Daniel Radcliffe really struggled towards the end of filming. He's been pretty open about the fact that he was struggling with substance abuse. He was struggling with alcohol at the time. So I get that they didn't bring that up in this because this is supposed to be like a really fun, happy look back at it. And it's not really like a documentary of how these films were made or the struggles that they had. I think it's good that they touched on it but I understand why it wasn't brought up in a larger sense where they go more in depth into it. I do think, though, that it is nice to see that they are able to sit down and share really great memories because some of those times must have been really hard for them. So it's nice that they can look back on it and think about a lot of the positive things and that we get to see that. Ivana Lynch, I think that's how you say her last name, who played Luna, had some really incredible, insightful things to say about being different and how the movies and books helped people accept things about themselves. And the other actors talk about being misfits. Helen Bowman Carter talks about it and talks about how this is why the films resonate with so many people. And I couldn't agree more. I've talked about this before and I'm sure I'm going to continue to talk about it throughout the rest of the reread as I reread the other books. I think that that's at the heart of the Harry Potter series. Same with Matthew Lewis who plays Neville. He talks about being a shy kid and really resonating with the themes in the book. I thought it was pretty funny how they were talking about Ginny and Harry's kiss. Dan said it was weird because all of these people have watched you grow up and now they're going to watch you kiss on set and that would be really fucking weird. (laughs) 
Emma has a really lovely moment where she speaks so highly of the other female cast. She says that she's so proud of Bonnie, Ivana, and Katie, um, of the people that they've become, and she speaks about how they're doing activism and that they're really lovely people, and it's so nice to hear her speak really highly about them. They sit Tom Felton and Helen Bowman Carter down, and I feel like Helen Bowman Carter would be so much fun to hang out with. She has such a fun energy and a really fun banter that she brings to all of the people that she sits down and talks with. We move into the Half-Blood Prince, and they talk about Draco's character and all of the complexities of him in the book. Then they have a really sad section where they talk about all the people who have passed away, which is a sadder part of the special, but I'm glad that they mention it. They always speak about Alan Rickman in this really lovely way where he almost feels mythical, like this incredible actor and incredible person who brought so much life and presence to the set as he was acting. Then we move into the last movie, The Deathly Hallows, and Emma talks about her pet hamster that she had on set <laughs> and how when the pet passed away, the set designers made a coffin and they had a service. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's a lot. <laughs> the trio have a really funny moment where they talk about looking better than they did when they filmed the epilogue, which is really funny. And I thought that. <laughs> I loved that. They do look better than they do in the epilogue. <laughs> they also talk about how they uh, took care of each other throughout the 10 years of filming and Dan jokes that they had fallen asleep on each other in some of the most beautiful cathedrals in England, which is a pretty epic flex, I think, if you ask me. <laughs> I like that Emma Watson mentioned that her favorite scene is the scene of Dan and her dancing in the last movie. I've always loved that scene. I feel like there's so many like unspoken words that are happening and it was so perfect and their acting was really good in that scene because it feels playful and platonic but also just these two people who are going through something so heavy and difficult and they just want to have a moment of fun because they're kids and they they never get to have these moments anymore. I get why she loves that scene. I think it could have been really easy for it to be really awkward, but it wasn't, and they did a really good job with it. They talk about how Emma and Dan would compete with each other, like racing and trying to see who could be the faster runner, which I think is really cute. And then Rupert says that running and walking is a stunt to him, which I feel that on a core level. Rupert Grint doesn't talk a ton in the setup with the trio sitting together but when he does it's really funny he does have some really insightful things to say in his talking heads i think that dan and emma were just really excited and talked a lot but he seemed a little bit more reserved out of the three of them we get to see some behind the scenes footage of emma being told um <laughs> like that they're going to film Ron and Hermione's kiss and Emma was like what this week and was like freaking out about it and it's I think that's really priceless footage it must have been so awkward for them to have to do that kiss and it's so funny to watch them be really awkward and they show footage of them kind of laughing after kissing and it's it's just funny Rupert says that he feels like he blacked out when it happened <laughs> 
we get to the Battle of Hogwarts and they talk about Neville and his amazing moment in the end of that movie. And I just love Neville's character so much. And I cannot wait to read more of these books to get to relive Neville's character arc. That's something I'm really, really excited to get to relive and to get to talk about because he has one of the most interesting character arcs in the book. So they talk about the decision for the final battle between Harry and Voldemort to be that weird fall off of the bridge. And I hated that. I like I got maybe why they made that decision, but I thought it was seriously horrifying and it was a bad change. And I just think they could have not talked about it. You know, a lot of people didn't like that. And I feel like the director was just trying to justify a decision that was a bad decision that people didn't like. And now it was like, here's a chance I get to talk about this again and justify it. Should have just let it go. I loved seeing all of the old footage of them and we get really cute footage of the trio on their first day of filming. And it's so cute, just like all of the other behind the scenes footage of them when they're kids. They talk about how by the end, they felt like they were their characters. Emma says that it was like an extreme form of method acting, which is pretty wild. I know that we talked about it a little bit before. They said that they basically were their characters and that must have been really hard when they finished. Like, who am I without this character? What do I even like? That must have been a really hard thing to part with the series. That must have also been really hard during the time periods where they were questioning whether they should continue being a part of the series and that internal struggle must have been really, really difficult for them because they essentially felt like they were their characters. And Rupert at one point says that he didn't even respond to his name the way that he would respond to Ron. This was a really long process during a lot of their formative years. So I can understand how those lines would become so blurred and it must have been really hard for them afterwards. Emma and Rupert interviewed just the two of them and they talk about loving each other and being family even though they don't see each other all the time and he tells her that he loves her and it's such a sweet moment it's a little bit weird that she doesn't say it back but it does seem like she was just a little bit shocked and she was also kind of crying during that moment so I I think that it wasn't as awkward as maybe some people have made it out to be online now I think that she probably wanted to say it but it just was she was taken aback by it he also does clarify just as friends which is it's funny (laughs) all of these people are like ah no don't let the fans become crazy about us (laughs) I think that Rupert Grint has some of my favorite moments during the special I think that he just had a lot of really interesting things to say and his moments seemed really heartfelt They show footage of the last day of filming, everyone is crying, and the trio is hugging each other. It would have been such an emotional thing. Like I was talking about before, it was 10 years of their lives during a really formative part of their life, and that must have been really hard to say goodbye. Helen Bowman Carter has a beautiful quote that made me tear up both times that I watched it. She said, And that's what's so profoundly therapeutic and good about it. It's made people who otherwise feel lonely they feel they belong and I think that that's really true and that's what's at the heart of this series I've talked about it before while recapping the books this is what makes these books so immersive and wonderful it's such an incredible world but it also allows you to feel 
the things that make you different are good and wonderful. And I think that the fandom keeps the spirit of that alive and the fandom keeps growing and evolving and it continues to have that spirit in it. The last few minutes of the special is so lovely and wonderful and it honestly made me like tear up a little bit. Robbie Coltrane's quote at the end is, the legacy of the movies is that my children's generation will show them to their children so you could be watching it 50 years time easy. I will not be here sadly, but Hagrid will, yes. And it was just too much for me. (laughs) In a good way, of course. All of the actors crying and talking about how much this series means to them was really heartwarming and beautiful to watch. It really is a pleasure to see these actors having loved being in these movies so much, even if there were hard parts, which there obviously were for them. They're still so passionate and clearly view these things as being a really positive part of their life. And that's not always a given with people who are in these kind of franchises like look at Twilight right as funny as it is to watch Kristen Stewart and Robert Patterson absolutely hate those movies as a fan it is a little bit disappointing to see something that you love so much be kind of mocked by the people who are at the heart of it and that's what makes this special something that was watchable and lovable at the end of the day because these people cared so much about being a part of it and still do and were still so lovely with each other and they wanted to see each other I think a lot of times on sets there's a lot of drama and there's a lot of stuff that goes on behind the scenes that we don't see and that's what makes these kinds of reunions unfulfilling in some ways the Hills 20th, I think it was 20 year anniversary of the Hills, where only Lauren Conrad was a part of that. And they just sat Lauren Conrad down and talked about her experience. While I completely understand her wanting to not be around anyone else from that like series, it's, it's, it's disheartening because you loved all of these people together and you want to see them together. But you also do have to respect when they don't want to do that so it's just it's lovely to see that all of these people came together and seem to really enjoy being together for the process of it they end the special off with alan rickman saying always which was pretty fitting even though it might not be my favorite quote of the whole book <laughs> okay so my final thoughts um i get maggie smith not going to be a part of this. Um, I know that she has said that she didn't fully love her time filming Harry Potter because she was a pretty serious actor um, doing theater performances and stuff, and I don't think she ever fully liked being in film and TV. I read an article where she said that she didn't really feel like it was actually acting Um, which makes sense because I think that she's a really incredible actress and so being in a children's movie wouldn't feel as fulfilling but that being said I wish they'd talked about her because it felt really wrong that she wasn't mentioned throughout the entire thing. I thought this was the most perfect way to honor 20 years. I loved it so much. It was really fun. It was emotional to watch. Harry Potter has obviously been a really big part of my life, so it was really, really fulfilling to get to watch this little look back on that time in my life. With all of that said, we do have to talk about the elephant in the room, which is J.K. Rowling. I'm very glad that she was not there. There is articles coming out saying that she was invited, but before 
what I'd read was that she wasn't invited. So I don't know what the truth is, but I'm glad that she wasn't there. And I'm glad that when they did include her, she was time stamped. So we knew that she wasn't there and it wasn't filmed by these people. I think that they went about this in the most respectful way that they could. I don't think that they could have fully done this without any of her presence at all she needed to be in like one or two things I get it she was a really big part of the movies she created the entire universe and she talked with a lot of the directors with making decisions and stuff I know that a lot of the actors have spoken out against her so I think probably if she was invited she probably felt she didn't want to be around them because they've spoken out against her or vice versa she wasn't invited because the other people wouldn't be a part of it that's both of those things are speculation because I don't actually know what the truth is but I think that the other actors speaking out against her probably has something to do with her not being there it would be hard to assume anything otherwise frankly I probably would have been completely happy if she wasn't in it at all but I think that the way that they did include her was as respectful as it possibly could have been That being said, my opinion on this doesn't really matter, and if there are people who have been actively hurt by her who feel differently, their opinions come before mine. I really want to know more behind the scenes of how they came to the decision of not having her in it or if she was invited. I know that we might not ever get that, though. Okay, so that was a lovely walk down memory lane, and that's really all I have to say on Return to Hogwarts. I'm going to finish off by mentioning something really exciting. Someone reached out to me on Instagram. I got a DM. I'm going to read it, but I'm not going to say the person's full name because that's weird, I think. So this was someone by the name of Hannah, and she said, Hey, I just listened to your podcast episode when you talk about all the young dudes. I love your opinions and thoughts in this topic, especially when you talk about smoking, Peter, and trauma. I also must say that you have such a relaxing voice. Then she asked me for some Marauders fanfiction recommendations. Thanks for a good, well-spent hour reliving good memories. Um, and then she recommended a book to me, which I'm going to definitely check out. The book is called um, All for the Game. So thank you so much for sending in the DM. I loved reading it. If you guys want to send in thoughts, comments, concerns, or anything like that, you can definitely DM me, preferably on Instagram is probably the best way to reach out to me. It's funny that um, All the Young Dudes episode is actually my most listened to episode. Every single day someone listens to it. It's wild. I can't believe how many people have listened to that episode. I also do have to say I think it's really, really funny that people find my voice relaxing. I guess like nobody likes the sound of their own voice. I have gotten more and more used to it through editing the podcast, but I do know that I still don't necessarily like hearing my own voice. Anyways, that's all I have for you guys this week. You can check us out on social media. The best way to do that is to go to our website, cauldroncakesandwine.com. We have all of it linked there. Like I said before, if you want to send in some thoughts, you can send them in to me on Instagram. I hope you guys really enjoyed Return to Hogwarts as much as I did and get excited to hear my thoughts on the Goblet of Fire, which, surprise, maybe not surprise, I don't know, isn't my favorite book of the series. So just a little heads up going into next week. It's a little... Anyways, that's all I've got for you guys now. Bye!